Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. I was so thrilled when I looked at my schedule. Um, I don't. I don't actually schedule the guests. I have certainly a lot of input. I, I don't. I don't have anybody on my show that I don't want to have on my show. Uh, I'm pleased to say that everyone we've ever asked to be on the show has said yes, and you know they trust me to have terrific conversations. But anyway, the bottom line is I got the schedule. I saw the Secretary of State Michael Watson was going to be on it because. I have several passionate issues that I'm that I that I have followed, and if you're a regular listener, you know it. One is human trafficking, major issue around human trafficking. Another is the outdoor stewardship trust fund and conservation efforts that can be unleashed in our state. And you know, we, we're all concerned about elections, and we want elections to be not only buttoned up so that we can know that everyone one vote, one person, but more importantly, actually, we we want people to vote. And voter turnout in this state is not what it needs to be. In fact, it's abysmal. We need we can talk about that. Well, anyway, when I saw that Michael Watson was on the list today, I was excited about it. And uh, without any further ado, I don't have any big speeches other than that. Let me welcome the Secretary of State of Mississippi, Michael Watson. How you doing, my friend? I'm well. Great to be with you as always. Look forward to a good conversation. It's good to see you. Uh, we saw each other. At, there was an event at Providence, and uh, I was um, I was with Alex Littlejohn and. Let's see, Will Primos and a few others. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't shoot, actually, because my plan was to kind of bounce around with Super Talk Outdoors. There's still a lot of people I don't know, and I wanted to get to know some folks. But I ended up hanging out with that group for most of the time. And uh, they were really good shots, I might add. That, you know, for clay shooting, you, you, knew the, you knew the event. But um, great to see everybody there. Great to see you there. And, uh, you, know, one, once, you know, when I see you, it reminds me that here's this, this, this coast person that actually – won a statewide election, and has been sort of ubiquitous across the state. You've been engaged in trying to get to every single county, and we'll talk about that in a second. But there's a lot of pride that comes in having a statewide office and being from coastal Mississippi, isn't there? There is, and I tell people all the time, it's so fun for me to travel the state and just to talk about the coast and how I grew up and what we do down here and the economic engine that we are. Uh, so having that ability to tell our story around the state has been really important for the coast and one that I obviously take a lot of pride in and, and I'm honored to represent the coast at the statewide level. One of the things I learned as a, as a publisher is that I never take it for granted that someone knows what a statewide elected official's role is, you know, because so what happens is people, they'll say secretary of state, secretary of state, secretary of state. And over time, they sort of forget all the buckets that are underneath. you. You've got a lot to say grace over. You and I have had long conversations about that before. But just in a nutshell, why don't you remind people what the secretary of state's role is all about? Yeah, and I love to do that, Ricky, for a couple of reasons. Number one, if people have issues in the areas in which we house under our office, I want them to know. But number two, if something's going awry in one of those areas, I also want them to know, hey, who do I hold accountable for that? So under our umbrella, basically elections, I've, everybody kind of knows that's the face of the office. Business services, as you and I have talked, uh, really the breadth of the office is kind of found there with your LLCs, your corporations, nonprofits, sports agents, perpetual care cemeteries. That list goes on and on and on. Uh, the APA is found there, Administrative Procedures Act. Uh, and then we also have public lands. So 16th section lands, tidelands along the coast, 
And then several years ago, the legislature gave us uh, basically the state land commissioner uh, title. So we also deal with state lands. And, and that's where you and I have talked a lot of late, uh, the outdoor, outdoor Stewardship Trust Fund, as well as our Conservation Task Force. So many things happen under that office. Uh, and it's really been fun for me uh, to be able to have just the ability to work in different areas of the state. So let's let's start to kind of break it all down. You you heard what I said at the beginning. Probably, I mean, again, I mean, look at look at public lands. Look, I mean, look at look at state state lands and what you had to say, Grace, over there. It's incredible, really, really, it is. And uh, we'll get to the outdoor stewardship trust fund in a second. In fact, I got a note from our friend Joe Cloyd, who serves on the board of trustees for the new organization overseeing the projects, and he asked an important question. And I actually sent him the video of mining your conversation when you joined me on Super Talk Outdoors, and we talked about this coalition that you'd put together and the importance of having a plan. And and it makes it, I think it makes it better projects that fit with the infrastructure of a plan. Uh, I just saw a little blip. Cal, we're still good, buddy. Still good. Okay, good. We're still we're still rolling. Um, so we'll we'll come back to that in just a second. Um, elections, uh, how you know? First of all, we got we got voter ID now, and how I want to know how that's going. And what's your read on why, even with I think general excitement around elections in general, why? What's your read on the low voter turnout? Yeah, that's that's a, a tough question and a sad one when you see roughly eleven percent turnout. In, uh, in the June primary area. And that was just, you know, disappointing for us. Uh, so one of the things that we try to do is really go around the state and encourage people, talk about the process, educate them. So get them more comfortable with how elections actually work in Mississippi. Uh, once we feel like they're getting comfortable with that, hopefully they'll continue to come out, uh, promote the vote. We spend a lot of time in our schools, uh, our ambassador program. We've got 56 high school seniors that we're helping educate them on elections in Mississippi, how state government works, and then mentoring them as well about coming back to the state when they get done. But all of them are going to be working on voter registration drives in their schools. So we're doing all that we can to get the word out. But again, it, it takes people participating and, and understanding why it's important that we get out to vote, uh, having our voice heard. That's that's what runs government. So uh, if you're unfamiliar with the process, please reach out, ask questions. We're happy to educate you on that. But also, if you see things going on in your community that you're not uh, uh, you know, appreciative of, get out there and vote. That's your voice to say, hey, look, we need to go in a different direction. Yeah, I used to, as a publisher and regular listeners know this, I used to speak a lot about this whole notion of newspapers had an important role, First Amendment obligation in communities to provide news and information to people to help keep democracy viable. I mean, it's important for people to 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 have the information they need, they can choose then how they want to stand on a on a particular issue or how they want to stand on a particular candidate, and then go use that incredible vote. I mean, what a what a power that is in this nation to be able to vote for our leaders. You know, it's a it's a sacred right we have, isn't it? It is, and you talk about all the people, Ricky, that went and gave all that they had for us to have that right. The men and women that you know fall for this uh, freedom that we have and just for us to not take that for granted. And again, uh, we've always encouraged folks, please get educated about the issues, uh, be engaged and educated and engaged electorate really helps government to be better. Uh, so I encourage folks to hold us accountable and you do that at the ballot box. You know this because you and I have chatted about this before, and I mentioned it to uh, a, a little bit about it when we first started the show. But um, the whole notion of human trafficking—it it comes in a bunch of different forms. You know, I'm always touched by the fact that uh, when I talk to experts about it, it could be as 
It could be as close to a single person as maybe a neighbor whose child they're putting up for you know human trafficking. It could play that that kind of a role. Uh, but anyway, it comes in so many different forms, and it is a really terrible part of our society today. And I was I was impressed that recently you started a Mississippi business against trafficking, and you brought some you brought some initially some key partners into that conversation. I thought it was a very diverse group that you brought into the conversation. Some people would tend to think of them as being maybe proprietors of human trafficking, and they're not. And they that's why they're they're on the on the team. But they employ a lot of people and they impact a lot of people. Why was this important for you? So, Ricky, it really goes back to the legislative days. Uh, I had a, a group of, of ladies come and talk to me. So they wanted to come visit about human trafficking. And, I, you know, I, I just thought, well, that's Las Vegas and, and L.A. and New York. That's not really here. And they broke my heart with the stories that are happening in Mississippi. And uh, the one that really caught my attention was a grandfather that was using his granddaughter for his drug money over in Lincoln County. And just really, as a, as a father of, of daughters, broke my heart. And so we started working on legislation uh, back in my days in the Senate, appreciate Speaker Gunn and the work that he's done. Uh, we partnered up on, on several issues. But as I got out of the legislature and into the Secretary of State's office, uh, that was an issue that was really important to me. And so we tried to figure out how can we do more from the Secretary of State's office. And I looked at some other states. Uh, Texas is the one that really caught my attention first. And they had TBAT, which was Texas Businesses Against Trafficking. So as you know, the Secretary of State and as we just mentioned, business services, we interact with businesses all over this state. Uh, so if you're a business and you come to locate in Mississippi, you're going to have an interaction with our office. So we thought, look, with that connection with our business community, let's educate our business community, their employees on what human trafficking actually is. What are the different forms, the different types? If I see it, who do I even report that to? So that's what MBAT does. We're going to give training out to our businesses. It has absolutely taken off uh, since we announced. So it's really fun to watch all their businesses. And as you mentioned, the partners, that's the important piece that people sometimes don't think about. Well, where is this happening? Uh, so the massage industry, they're, they're involved with us. Hotels, convenience stores, the Mississippi Braves. It, it doesn't matter where you are in life. You're probably going to run into it at some point in time. You may not recognize it, but you're going to see it at some point in time. So getting that education out there and the training out there for these individuals is really important to us. So we're excited about that. It is important, and I, you know, it's, it, what I've what I've been pleased to see is that statewide leaders, obviously local leaders across the state, um, there, there's a lot of focus on it today, and it's just a, something you got to be co constantly thinking about. When people think about human trafficking, typically, as I said before, they tend to think about this faraway place, you know, Africa, or you know, what whatever. That this is, it doesn't happen here, but it happens in it happens in your neighborhood, and. It can be, oh my God, the impact that it's having on kids especially, but just about anyone who's caught up in that in that terrible place. It's a right. it's a sad part of our society. It's something we better be focused on and we better be doing everything as in our power as leaders to to get that scourge of society out of our society. So anyway, no doubt. Me, yeah. One of the things really quickly and we'll we'll go to Let's do this. Hold your thought, hold your thought. We'll get at the end of the segment, we'll pick it up on the other side. When we get back, we'll continue our conversation with Michael Watson, Secretary of State from Mississippi. See you after this. Live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgolfcoast.com. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. Uh, when we went to break, we were talking about human trafficking, and um, Michael Watson, the Secretary of State from Mississippi, was about to make a point. And then I have one final comment, and then we're going to shift gears and move on to some other topics. But what were you about to say, Michael? Yeah, so, you know, it's one of those things, and we can talk policy and politics and in theory all the time, but with human trafficking, it's not just policy, it's not just theory. When you engage and you train and you get someone who says, hey, I, I saw something happening and then I report it, you're actually saving a life. So this, this, this isn't just theory or policy, this is actual you know, touching lives across this state. And so that's another reason why it's so important to us to be engaged, to help folks, uh, you know, not only spot it, but also know who to talk, who to call and uh, talk to about it. I was always on the subject when I was a publisher and uh, just always had interest in it because you, you learn things when you're in public life and you have the opportunity to meet with leaders who have concerns. Something like human trafficking is something that would come up because the more you get into the trenches, and the more you hear the individual stories, the more you realize that as a leader, how can I ignore this? I have to do something about it. And what it, what it did for me, and you, you, you alluded to it a second ago, is it makes you sort of look at your own life and the people who you're surrounded by and, you know, my kids and my grandkids. And I look at my granddaughters in particular, but this is not a just about granddaughters. I mean, it's, it's, it's young boys, young girls. Lots of people are engaged and, and forced to be in this situation. But I think about how pure they are and how innocent they are and how much we work as grandfathers and fathers to protect them. And some, you know, unfortunately, some don't have that. They don't have that protection mechanism. And, and, and for them, it just becomes a survival. And, and the impact on them is just so sad and so incredible. And one life change, man, is worth the effort. But we can do better than that. And we will do better than that. And we are doing better than that as a state. We just got to stay focused on it. What gets measured gets done. There's no doubt about that. Um. 82 county tour you're you're really focused on on you know you're from the coast but you've long since been a statewide official and you're playing like that now aren't you we are and, and our 82 county tour uh, ricky we've talked about this a little bit but you know if you if you build relationships with people and you can show them i care enough to come to your office to ask you how i can better serve you that's how you build a team. That's how you you know build leadership in our state. And so a perfect example was when COVID hit and we had to figure out how do we engage uh, the electorate to make them feel safe when they go vote in their precincts? Well, you know what? We're going to talk to those clerks and the commissioners that we've visited with already. What are they doing in their counties? And so having those relationships, we're not always going to agree. And I tell them every time I go to them, we're not always going to agree. And the key here is, though, if we have a relationship where you know that I care, we can have those hard conversations a little bit easier. Uh, and again, I won't always be right. And, and they, they've proved me that before. I don't know everything. But dealing with these experts on the ground that dealing with elections every day across this state has been really helpful for us. So we're at 78 now. I've got four to go. Uh, it's a big state. Uh, we've had some great visits. So. It is a big state, man. It is. I, I have my place up in the Delta, and I love spending time there. And, uh, you know, the drive there, the drive there is a lot easier. And I think you and I may have chatted a little bit about that last time we talked. But, man, now that 49 is finished, it's, uh, you know, I can actually if I can actually get home in three and a half hours from the Delta now. Usually that was definitely a four-hour trip. And the reason why I'm not getting hung up, I'm not getting hung up, 
in that area of 49, right out just south of Jackson. It's amazing to me, honestly, Michael, that it took so long to get that resolved. I, I mean, just I mean, how many how many years did you drive that as a legislator and think, oh, my God, what what is taking so long? I remember being in college uh, going up through there and, and seeing the road work going on. So it, it was longer than that. It's been a while. It has, it has definitely been a, it has definitely been a, a while. You know, one of the things that that you know you I, I remember reading on your site something about you wanted the you wanted the Secretary of State's office to be focused on customer service. You wanted to you wanted to well, you're conservative, but you're, I would say you're conservative with an open mind. I mean, you're certainly conservative, but you you are taking sort of a business approach to your office, and you. You know, we know that regulation is killing business. We know that the Secretary of State's office was literally, I don't know, it was uh, clogged with regulations. And and what that means is you got to go in there and re-engineer it. You, you can't just go tweak that because if you tweak that, it might affect this over there. You really have to take a holistic approach to that. What you learn in doing sort of a current process analysis of the Secretary of State's office it created a compelling case for change, didn't it? It did. And that's been so fun for me. Again, we talked about human trafficking and it's not just theory of policy. You're actually saving lives. Well, when we talk about our Tackle the Tape initiative and our 29 by 29 initiative, where we're actually dealing with regulations and cutting them, tackling that tape, that helps small businesses actually be able to get across that hurdle. Because, you know, when you have a regulatory burden that, that makes it hard for you to start a business, that hurts all of our families, that hurts our communities, that hurts our entire state. So every chance that we get to cut a regulation or to help navigate that regulatory burden, uh, we were just dealing with USDA the other day. And Rick, I, I gotta tell you this story really quickly. Sure, no, uh, there's no rush, go for it, yeah. It's a grocery store in Louisville, Mississippi, and uh, they were having some problems with USDA. So I called the, the state director here and uh, he was traveling that day. But his assistant emailed me back, and I appreciated that. And he said, uh, "He said, look, we don't actually deal with that on this side of DHS. You're going to have to talk to somebody on the other side of DHS. Uh, I mean, excuse me, USDA." And I said, "Okay, that's fine. Uh, can you give me a contact person over there?" And he sent me a phone number, no name, no anything, and said, "Hey, just call this number." And so I emailed back and said, "Man, look, um, can can you give me a contact person at USDA, someone that you work with that I can talk to to help this citizen?" sent me a different telephone number the next time. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is the sitting Secretary of State asking for a contact within your organization so I can help a citizen of Mississippi. Not that it's Michael Watson, but just the sitting Secretary of State. I got so frustrated and it just made me remember that this is why you're doing what you're doing, dealing with bureaucracy, dealing with this red tape. If a citizen would have tried to make that phone call, there's no way in the world they would have gotten help. And that is so frustrating to me. Within the week though, I called Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith and she got me to a, a contact with USDA. Within a week, we had the doors open in that grocery store. But those are the small things that, you know, that's just a small grocery store. I get it. But that's that's life for people in Wolfsville to go get their, their groceries and feed their family. So things like that, that you're actually making a difference has really been so much fun for us uh, to cut that regulatory burden. But you have to look at it. Unfortunately, government, people in government roles don't look at what they do too 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 often unfortunately as serving customers that's right and you think about you know think about the kind of streamlining that has taken place at most corporations in america where they're trying to figure out you know how do i make this work better how do i how do i cut the amount of red tape that customers have to deal with and and, and do this using all the latest technology and capabilities 
governments are just slow to do that. You, I mean, it's almost like you don't have a goal to serve customers more, more, as much as you've got a goal to sort of preserve the status quo, whatever that is. That makes it hard culturally to kind of cut through it, doesn't it? It, it does. And, and one of the things that I've told our office, when you pick that phone up, you never know who you're dealing with, number one. Number two, it may be their only interaction with government. So let's make it a good one. Uh, we do not say no at first. If, if we have to say no eventually because that's the law, I get it. But we're going to try every way we can to help somebody. Because, again, as I remind folks, uh, we work for you. We are we're the servants here. Y'all y'all pay our salary. And so I tell people all the time, even if it's not a secretary of state issue, call our office. Uh, nine times out of 10, we're going to know who to call to get you some help. And, and, and normally they call me back pretty quickly. So I just encourage all of your listeners, if you can't get an answer from a state agency, call us. We'll, we'll get you an answer and we'll get you connected to the right people. It requires you to have a team on board with that goal, doesn't it? Incredible team at our office. And I'll tell you this, Ricky, coming out of the state legislature, too many times I think legislators uh, kind of have this negative uh, connotation or conception of, of state workers. They're just eight to five folks and they go home. They don't care about what they're doing. And there are those that do that. I get that. But when I went to the Secretary of State's office, and I can call names up and down the line of just the good Mississippians that actually care, that want to make a difference, uh, that are there to help Mississippians, uh, is it, I just swell with pride when I talk about our team. And you know, it could be Carla Thornhill, my chief of staff from Philadelphia, Mississippi, uh, all the way down to Matt Maloof, who uh, runs our, our in our business services sector, kind of runs the mailroom and does stuff in finance. Uh, so I could, again, name a ton of folks and they all, you see me all the time, but it's not just me. It really is us. And we've got a great team. Well, when you, when you talk about tackle the tape, talk about tackle the tape, there's a lot, I mean, I mean, it's a great slogan and it's about cutting the red tape. It's about streamlining all that. But when you go to your website, which I did this morning, read sort of the plan, so to speak, and what you discovered. You know, uh, I, and, and you actually use the same methodology in, um, in, in, in looking at the conservation efforts for the state. But, but, and I'd be curious, actually, where did, that, where did that framework come from where you understand that we have to have a mission, and the mission is that we're going we're gonna to streamline this and we're going to cut some costs for sure, but we're going to make it easier for people to navigate all these various systems that the Secretary of State has to say grace over. Because everybody have a goal around that. But then we got to do the current process work. And, man, that's hard. That's that's where you're breaking down the steps in the process for everything that you do and saying, okay, how can we make this better? What I saw on your website is the result of, of doing that analysis and just how cumbersome it had become, et cetera, et cetera. It was very compelling. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about that, and then we'll shift gears and actually move to the conservation planning uh, work that I think is going to feed in to the efforts around the, 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 the need and now that we have the Conservation Trust Fund. With Michael uh, Watson, Secretary of State, we'll see you after this. on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast. You have Michael Watson, the Secretary of State for Mississippi. And we were actually getting a little bit into the nuts and bolts of the tackle the tape effort that his office has been engaged with. And uh, we're, I'm going to give him an opportunity to sort of respond to the, the notion of that specific to tackle the tape. But one of the comments I said during the break was, as a former CEO, the methodology that he's deploying here is very familiar with me, you know, to me. I was engaged in strategic planning for many, many years. And roadmaps help help create a common language, helps get everybody on the same page. It helps, you know, create a compelling case for action. It helps develop visions for where you want to go. But it's not common, actually, to see roadmaps like this being deployed in government. Where did your knowledge of that come from, Michael? Where did you where did you find the the understanding of what success might look like if you deployed a roadmap like this? Well, you know, a lot of times that kind of comes into the legislative process. When when you have a, a goal in mind, the end game is, well, I have to look at all the statutes to see whatever, you know, what all plays here. What's the interaction from different pieces of, of the legislature, of regulation, of different agencies? Uh, so understanding, you know, to get to that goal, you got to start at the bottom and figure it all out. Uh, it's kind of part of it. But the second piece that I would say, Ricky, is, is when we got into the office uh, and we saw the OLRC, the Occupational Licensing Review Commission, it oversees 29 boards and commissions uh, on which sits the Secretary of State, the Attorney General, and the Governor. We knew that was in place, and, and I was happy to support that in the legislature when we, we passed that into law. But we kind of started thinking, these are only 29 boards and commissions. There's so many other regulations out there that we can tackle. What is it that we can do to, to launch a, a plan to do that? And so somehow tackle the tape just popped in my mind. and. So we set our group down around the table. Uh, Colby Williams was was one of the phenomenal uh, just minds in our office. Lee Janice, again, I could go through all of them. But we sat down at the table and I said, this is what I want to do. Let's put a roadmap together to get there. And, and here, here's what I'm thinking. What are y'all thinking? And again, when you can have a team around you that, that are smart people that want to see success and that want to do good for Mississippi, that's where good things happen. And so we just mapped the thing out. And one of the pieces of it, which is really cool how it feeds in, is our 29 by 29, going back to the OLRC, we've got those 29 boards and commissions. So we've said, look, we're going to look at every regulation under all 29 of these boards and commissions. We can't do it ourselves, so let's pull some people in. So Stennis Institute at Mississippi State, uh, AFP, uh, Mercatus Institute, we, we put all these people in to help us go through these regulations. So by the year of 2029, we will have gone through every single regulation from all 29 of these boards and commissions to cut as many as we can to make it easier for Mississippi businesses to succeed. So kind of seeing all that come together and the puzzle pieces fit in, it takes a team of smart people and really proud of our group. But Michael, it is, it is, I'm not saying it doesn't happen because it does happen. And, you know, elected officials who do this well tend to get reelected, but, but it is, it is rare to see uh, a, a statewide elected official come in and be less concerned about reelection and more concerned about putting things in place that make it better for citizens. And it comes out in a bunch of different ways. I mean, you, you all, oh, man, it's interesting. Your job has in, embedded in it conflict. I mean, just, just no way around. Like I'll give you an example, um, not to bring up, not, I mean, it just is what it is. Thailand's management. That's a really tough su subject because people sit on different sides of that. Uh, you've had a, a goal to really focus on, you know, I, I was involved. Obviously, I was involved after Hurricane Katrina to get land bay. I was I was the chairman of the tourism 
uh, group for the governor's commission and was deeply engaged in the conversation with leadership in our state around having dockside gaming. And, you know, we intrinsically made a, made a uh, promise to uh, a lot of uh, really important co- casino companies at the time that, that uh, you know, we wanted them to be able to rebuild and we had to get land-based gaming done. But we also said, we're not going to change the rules on your mid-course. And there's been some efforts to do that, but that, I'm not trying to get into the nuts and bolts of that as much as I'm trying to say that in the midst of all of this, there, there's conflict to manage. And there, you know, it's le- very, very legal, and there are passionate people on both sides of the issue, but it's, uh, it can be tough at times, can't it? It, it can. And I think, Ricky, that's where, where it comes in. I, I tell people this kind of really all the time. I don't have to have this job. Uh, the, my title as Secretary of State is not what defines me. It's not defining who I am. My title as a Christian, as a dad, as a, as a brother, as a husband. Those are the things that matter to me. Uh, so while I'm here, we're going to abide by the law and we're going to do our best to be a servant. Uh, my dad's a pastor and, and growing up watching him serve people really is kind of what was drilled into my heart. So how do you help the most Mississippians possible? What, what are the things that we can do to make it better here in Mississippi? And so that's what my goal is. My goal is not to get reelected. My goal is to do good while I'm here. Uh, and, and typically when you do good and when you serve Mississippians, uh, they, they respect that and, and maybe one day reward that. Who knows? But uh, my job is to do the best I can while I'm here. I got you. Anyway, congratulations on the on the efforts around trying to you know, streamline the operation, making it better for people. Because, man, do you think about the amount of interaction with your department in one way? I mean, you're you're what you have to say grace over in one way or another by you know, thousands and thousands of Mississippians. It makes a real difference. It really does. And, um, you know, I hope you have continued success and sort of zero in on that. Um, anything else you want to say about that before we shift gears to uh, conservation? No, I, I would just remind your listeners, if you see some kind of regulation that's harmful for your business or that you're aware of, please reach out to us or, or tackle the tape website there. You can respond and give us a heads up on something that we need to go tackle. So we all have to do this together. I can't read every regulation in the, in the codes and in the regulatory books, but Mississippians can. And so when they see something that's harmful, please let us know. and We'll get to work. You bet. Okay, look. I was I worked for two years on the Conservation Trust Fund, and I, well, I've always had a love for the outdoors, but I was concerned our state was behind, one of two states in the southeast that didn't have such a fund, and not having that fund put us in a bad position where we couldn't get really just, I mean, over a billion dollars in matching funds at the federal level. Right. Uh, we had big debates about private land, whether private land should be cons- be involved. But over 80 percent of the of the land in Mississippi is private land, and you can't be serious about conservation if you don't in- engage it. What was impressive about what you did, while that you know, it took a two years, we we got it done. There's some tweaks that still need need to be made, but but the reality is we've got it now, and we can you know the trustees have been put together now. We're going to be soon looking at specific projects, and and hopefully there'll be a huge amount of priority placed on those projects that have identified federal matching funds so that we can do what Georgia did and take $20 million and turn it into nearly $100 million. That's the kind of match that's available on some of these programs, a lot of them inside the Farm Bill, incidentally, as you well know. But what was interesting about what you did, as I was, you know, doing here on the coast uh, with Coast U, talking to people like Alex Little John and, and uh, you know, a long list of others, uh, and then of course as, as I started to have similar conversations on Super Talk Outdoors, some with you, 
and some some with many others that are in the conservation community. I learned along the way that you actually had pulled them into a process where you were thinking about, okay, as the Secretary of State with this responsibilities I have around around helping sort of establishing Mississippi as um, as sort of the capital conservation in the state. I mean, the United States, you know, you, we have the ability, man. Some of the people you brought into the into the fold, uh, I mean, they they were who's who in the conservation community. They've written a book on private land conservation, for example. Um, that was really important to you, and and I'm I'm confident actually now that that's actually your efforts in that arena are going to feed in to the board of trustees in a way where they're not going at this blind. And ironically, Joe Cloyd, who serves on the committee, and I had a conversation last night, and he, he's wanting to learn more about this planning effort. And I'm, I'm assuming at some point you guys will connect. But um, it's, uh, it's, it's intense, and it's the opportunities are significant, and the partners that you've amassed are very significant. And we have unbelievable potential in this area now, don't we? We do. It's incredible, uh, Ricky. And when you look at the conservation task force that we put together, what it, what I think it's going to be is a phenomenal resource for the Outdoor Stewardship Trust Fund Board. Uh, we've been on all those meetings, listening to their planning and, and moving forward. And one of the things that keeps coming back up, and, and Joe and I have talked about this uh, probably since you guys have talked, but basically, uh, we need a plan. We need an overarching plan for the entire state. And that was really one of the goals of the Conservation Task Force. And so DMR has a plan. IHL has a plan. Wildlife Fishers and Parks has a plan. A lot of folks have plans, but they're not united uh, as a whole for the entire state. And so that's what our long-term goal is. Let's let's find all of these plans that we have because they have some really good things included in them. But let's, let's mesh them all together for an incredible just statewide plan that's the vision for the future of Mississippi. So then our Stewardship Trust Fund group can look at, hey, what is the plan? Let's just walk down the list here. Uh, what does Mississippi need? Let's address those issues. And again, I think you're going to see some wonderful work coming from those guys. Yeah, I think why it's important is this, that you know, you've got a new board of trustees, which is a terrific group, by the way, really, really high-profile, smart people no question about it and they're all they're all strategically driven and they don't want to make selections project selections in a vacuum they they want to see that what's being selected fits with helping us achieve our best goal so you can have two projects both of them are great both of them have you know some matching funds but this one actually fits into the plan and will help sort of move toward this a little bit better that's what they need they need a, they need they need to to make decisions with a map in front of them and it's hard to make best decisions if you don't have the map in front of you when we come back we'll continue our conversation with michael watson secretary of state we'll see you after this Live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say Alexa. Open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I'm, I'm with my friend Michael uh, Watson, the Secretary of State for Mississippi, a Coast boy in a statewide office that has really, really taken his his role as a state leader incredibly seriously. And it's great to always have time to visit with him. We've had tremendous visits here on Coastview and also on my network shows, Super Talk Outdoors. When we went to break, we were just sort of winding up the conversation around 
the opportunities in front of us in the conservation arena. You know, the, the point I want to make, and you can make whatever point you want to make about it, and then we'll shift gears, but, you know, we finally got it done. And gosh, is it important for us to hit it out of the park? Because if we're going to go back to the legislature and get, for example, a dedicated funding source, which I think is really important. I, I'm, I, we're lucky in that now Delbert uh, Hoseman and, of course, the speaker, Philip Gunn, are, are aligned around putting as much as 20,000, 20 million, excuse me, in there this year. And I think that's going to be their goal for subsequent years. But, you know, there won't always be there. There'll be, there'll be new leadership. And it makes it so much more cumbersome when you got to go back to the legislature every year and, 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 you know, rally the troops to get the money. I think the fact that we have bipartisan support and everyone is sort of on the same page about what, what the opportunities are for Mississippi, getting a dedicated funding source is important. But in order to have those kind of conversations, we got to come out of the, out of the gate on this thing showing how the matching funds work and having you know all these incredible organizations engaged and finding best practices all over the nation and putting them in place here and that's what we got to do isn't it it is and, and being on those meetings with the board ricky it's been really um encouraging for me that the expediency with which they're working uh, the sincerity that that i hear when they talk about just those type of topics. Look, we got to make sure the legislature understands this is this is a big opportunity for Mississippi. We've got to knock it out of the park on these first few projects. So excited that they understand the vision, uh, but also that they're so connected and working really hard to get it done as fast as possible. Well, you got, I mean, again, um, the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks, or Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks Foundation, James Cummings, I mentioned a minute ago that you had someone on your on your team that literally wrote the book on private land conservation, and that's James Cummings. The fact that we have people like that in this state, I mentioned Alex Littlejohn a few minutes ago from Nature Conservancy, but one of the real stars in the state, and mm-hmm. uh, now he's been appointed to two national really important national conservation efforts that are that involve North America and Mexico. And we'll, again, what we're going to learn from the work that they're doing outside the state is where the best practices are and how we can bring that back here and make sure that we come out of the gate addressing needs, of course, but being innovative. I mean, we, we need to be innovative. And I th- again, I think they've assembled a tr- board of trustees for this Outdoor Stewardship Trust Fund, proven leaders with incredible success in their background, strategically driven, and people like Joe Cloyd, for example, from Coastal Mississippi, that was appointed by Delbert Hoseman. You've got you've got people that are going to ask the right questions, sure. and uh, and and know you know they they came to work, they came to make a difference, and they're going to make a difference, and that's good to see, isn't it? It is. And really the, the, how it's woven together. We talk about Joe here and I've never really thought of Joe as a huge hunter. Uh, I know he fishes, but listening to those meetings and the questions that Joe has has asked uh, in those conversations, it's just fun again, to see the different pieces that are really coming together uh, and see the broader picture and how they're working together. Uh, So we've got some smart folks that are are again driven. And and you mentioned James and Alex and uh, Ed, we've talked about Ed before, but what Mississippians don't understand is the the amount of intelligent, smart, national leaders we have right here at home. And when we can put those folks in the same room like we've done with the Conservation Task Force and put a plan together for Mississippi, it's just a matter of time, I think, before Mississippi is a national leader in this effort. Yeah, I didn't want Ed Penny from Ducks Unlimited. I didn't want Ed or Alex or James or 
any number of others that you had already been in touch with. I didn't want any of them to be on the board of trustees because if they were, it would there would have been a conflict of interest. We need them on the outside working. We need them, right. you know, bringing plans and encouraging plans and educating others and uh, being a part of the process to help Mississippi be innovative. And uh, so far, I mean, as a you know, as a you know, a lot of steps have already fallen, and we're moving in that direction. We're we're moving in the right direction, and uh, hopefully, the work that you did sort of parallel to that around let's see what's possible. Let's, let's look at a plan for Mississippi that that fits in like a glove to their efforts. I know it will, and uh, right. it's exciting in that regard for sure. Hey, so look, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, you know, what's your future plans politically? <laughs> So, you know, Ricky, um, I got asked that question early on in my Senate career. Uh, it was actually the first first uh, session. I was at home speaking to a school of uh, fifth graders, and one of the kids asked when I got through speaking, he said, uh, you know, what are you going to run for next, uh, president? And I said, whoa, settle down. I, I just found out where the Capitol was. Uh, I know where the restroom is now. Uh, but my response to him has been the one that I've said the entire time. And, uh, you know, I don't have a job picked out that I really want to do. Uh, it's always been, for instance, I never wanted to be Secretary of State. Uh, you know, growing up, I never said, well, man, I can't wait to be Secretary of State. But I felt like that the Lord opened these doors and I felt competent to serve in this position. And so it's been an honor to serve as Secretary of State. And so whatever comes from here, it really is. Uh, when there's an opportunity that I can do more good and I pray about it and get a piece about it, we'll see. Uh, but I don't have a position picked out. Uh, just when the opportunity arises and, and I get a good piece, we'll take a shot. Governor Michael Watson, I, I can see that in your future at some point. You're young and bright and have made a tremendous impact, and uh, you're, you're, you're a terrific statewide leader. Maybe one day we'll see you in the governor's seat. I'm sure you. you have to have that somewhere in the back of your mind. Listen, Michael, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. You too, buddy. Have a great day. You bet. We, we, uh, we really enjoy our visits. And look, We'll see you soon. We won't have such a big break between the time that we, we meet next time. So this has been Secretary of State Michael Watson from Mississippi. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.